0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and
1: part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Do you ever look at someone else's marriage and think, wow, they have it all together. Why aren't my relationships that easy? Maybe it leads you to think you married the wrong person, that you should just give up, end it, and find someone else who's a better fit. But if you've had similar struggles in other relationships, you may be following a pattern set in your childhood. And the chance that you will repeat this pattern with your next partner is really high. So if you'd like to know what is really happening and what you can do about it to make the marriage you're in now better, you are in the right place. Today, you're gonna get some answers from my guest, relationship coach, Carolyn Sharp. Carolyn, thanks so much for being on the show and talking about what is an ever popular topic about how do I make my relationships better and why are they in the ditch in the first place?
0: Thank you, Leslie, for having me on. It's, I love talking about relationships, and I'm so thrilled that more and more people are getting interested in how we're wired and what to do about it. Yes, because as you and I both know, relationships are only
1: natural up to a point, <laughs> and then, oh, all other kinds of stuff kicks in and starts making them kind of messy. So um, yep. what we're going to be talking about today is, is something called attachment theory and how it impacts relationships. So can you give a brief overview of what attachment theory
0: is? Sure. Um, and atta- attachment theory is really, simply put, um, an explanation of how humans develop psychologically and emotionally through our early relationships and really through all of our relationships. Okay. It explains how uh, our emotional systems develop in response to the way we were parented and the way we saw our caregivers, our parents, interact with one another. So we develop all of our emotions and our behaviors in relationship in response to those early interactions. And then they're reinforced over time through our later relationship. Okay. And it was previously (laughs) thought of simply as, what's fascinating is it was previously thought of as just learned behavior, that we were just doing what was modeled for us. Uh-huh. But what has come to be known now is that it is actually physiologically wired into us. Our whole nervous systems are wired around these ways we learn to be in relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's,
1: and that's such an interesting, you know, thing because, and again, this isn't about blaming mom and dad, so let's, first off, let's get that nope. off the table right there. But, you know, it's, exactly, it, it's really interesting because, you know, I, I'm surprised any of us turn out even remotely normal, whatever normal might yeah. mean, both, both from just what okay. has to happen physiologically to get us from those two little, you know, the egg and the sperm that meet and then create this human being and all this stuff that goes on. It's like, oh my gosh, there's, there's so many places that can go wrong. Um, but, you know, totally. and it's also that old argument about is it nature or nurture? And the answer is Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's this, it's this interplay of what we genetically bring to the table and then our experiences, you know. Um, and so can you talk a little bit more about how attach, you know, how this plays out? I mean, because I know that there's different types of attachment and mm-hmm. and those are the kinds of things that kind of impact our relationships. Yeah, of
0: course. Well, and I'm so glad that you spoke, too. This isn't about blaming mom or dad because, you know, in how this works, a baby is born and is either in the family they were born into or is adopted or fostered into a family, and maybe the family has health issues, financial issues. Maybe the baby has health issues that create a challenge to the natural connection that is supposed to happen between infant and caregiver. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that hiccuping of, you know, maybe the baby hasn't learned how to, the the call and response of a baby crying and a parent being able to pick them up or, Mm -hmm any any of those sort of natural infancy behaviors, there's a hiccup in the in the natural dance that occurs and either the baby learns to cry louder and louder and louder to get their attention,
1: mm-hmm. their
0: needs met, laying down a emotional system that says, All right, in order to get my needs met, I need to be louder and louder and louder and louder. And I'm I'm being very simplistic here. Mm-hmm. Um, or a parent or caregiver was overwhelmed or they were too busy because financially they had to do seven jobs to get the bills paid so the parent Mm -hmm. wasn't available, not because they didn't care, but so the baby learned to soothe themselves because Mm -hmm. the the caregiver just wasn't available, thereby laying down the groundwork for an adult or a child and then an adult who takes care of themselves and learns not to seek out connection and relationship. And those are the sort of opposite ends of the different attachment styles. At one end, we have the anxious um, or otherwise known as angry resistant um, attachment style, which seeks out connection and is very fearful of losing the connection and so is more insecure Um, Seeking connection, seeking reassurance, seeking soothing from other people in relationship. Mm -hmm. That's one end. And then on the other end is the avoidant dismissive type of attachment style who has learned that attachments aren't available, relationships aren't available, and so I'm just going to take care of my own needs. Um, And so for that person, that individual, relationships are a bit overstimulating. They're a bit uh, destabilizing um, at the far end because they learned, you know, this isn't safe. You're not going to get your needs met. Just take care of yourself. And Mm -hmm. so anybody that attempts to is is a little freaky, if you will. And so those are the two opposite ends. And then in between those, Um, at the sort of ideal um, version is the secure person who had the right balance of independence and um, soothing or connection from a caregiver. And so they learn to balance, okay, I can get my needs met and I can take care of myself on my own. Um, And so they're able to sort of go with the flow, if you will, in relationship. Um, But the important thing to know is that these are sort of, gross categorizations Mm -hmm. and very few people fit neatly into one of these categories um, for (laughs) all of their relationships and can float between them. They can be more secure in some relationships more anxious in some relationships, more avoidant in other relationships, depending on what their system, the signals our nervous system sends us. And this is really laid down deeply in our, the part of our brain that is sort of sending out the signals of our safety, our well-being, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily in a physical sense, although it feels really physical for people when they're right. getting those signals that this isn't safe. Um, and so, that's some of the ways that it's, you know, to be really, again, to be really simplistic, that's some of the ways that those different attachment types are formed. Um, but most of us are sort of anxious-ish or yeah. <laughs> avoidant-ish or yeah. secure-ish. Uh, and so, I really urge people not to attempt to, you know, uh, determine, all right, I'm, I'm anxious attachment. Right. Um, and really then I didn't like that. name uh, this, right. Because I think it's too um, easy to use that improperly and then not work toward growth. Um, And then the fourth style, which I didn't mention, which is outside of that continuum, is the disorganized attachment, which is someone who really unfortunately has such unpredictability, such chaos, Sometimes unhappily there's trauma there, and so they're sort of all over the place. There isn't mm-hmm. really an organized fashion to the signals being sent about safety um, and relationship. Well, and, it, and there's something that I want to
1: say, and I think maybe we're getting a little bit better at it, but sometimes it's also the way we're taught to parent because, you know, there's the, there's the mm-hmm. old you know, school of let them cry it out, you know, right. and or the school, <laughs> totally. end, you know, or you're 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 going to spoil the you. Know, you if if you pick up the child all the time, you're going to spoil them. And it's like, I mean, you. Know, so we have you. Know, so it's not even just. I mean, and, and and there's cultural stuff for, and you know, and you're just like, I mean, I remember when my son was born, and I was 33. I was not. I was not young. <laughs> you know, and I'm being wheeled right. out of the hospital, and I'm going. How does anybody know I can do this? You know, it's like, where is the manual, right? And so we repeat what we've learned. And, you know, and and again, Mm -hmm. you know, one expert is going to say do this. Some other expert's going to say do that. I mean, there's so much information that makes new parents a little bit crazy. So I want to make sure that people understand You know, this isn't about blame. This is about, you know, we're all doing the best we know how. And, you know, there, and again, there's the, the personality characteristics of both, both the parent and the child, which, you know, and, and just makes everything complicated. So I just want to put that out there. But I do also want to talk about, so you're talking about the anxious type of attachment, and this is where mm-hmm. um, people don't feel real safe and secure in, in the relationship, and, you know, um, and, and, the, and the, the term that comes to mind for me is if anybody has ever said to you, you're too needy, my guess is that that would fall into this anxious type of attachment style.
0: Yes, in in sort of the common speak about that, um, right. and in the sort of pathologizing normal relationship. Right. Right. Um, that is how it gets categorized. And I my my sort of hair stands up on the back mm-hmm. of my neck when I hear you're too needy mm-hmm. um, because having needs does not make you needy. Right. Um, all of our needs, you know, the, the thing I say is that human beings are just difficult. We're just a yeah. difficult species. Uh, I don't <laughs> think there's a better time in history to see what a disaster of a species we are. Than and right so now. at yeah. one end... You know, at the anxious side, and I mean, even anxious as a term is a little bit Mm -hmm. of a misnomer because Mm -hmm. it's anxiety at both ends of the spectrum. It's all fear-based. Right. Fear of loss of self, fear of loss of other um, at the two opposite ends. But in the sort of classically deemed anxious person who's considered needy, those needs are needs for connection and closeness, and they tend to be the squeaky wheel in the relationship. Their anxiety is having them run after their partner, run toward their partner, cling and cling and grab and grab. On the other end, the avoidant type, their needs are for space, for distance, for independence, for autonomy, and they're running away. Their need is to get away and get time to regulate their nervous system by themselves. Both needs are equal in need right. and in legitimacy and in frequency and in legitimacy. Um, they just are quieter about it. They're the, the the strong and silent type, the stoic one in the mm-hmm. relationship who looks, they look like they're doing heavy quotation marks, look like they're doing better. But fascinatingly, in the research about this, people who have the far end, avoidant attachment type, actually have bigger health issues. They have hypertension. They have high blood pressure because they're internalizing all of their stress. Whereas mm-hmm. the quote unquote needy one or anxious one is speaking out. They're they're yelling about it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, symbolically yelling about it. They're they're racing <laughs> around to get their needs met. They're chasing, 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 grabbing, 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 and so they're externalizing their needs, and that's actually functionally better for us physically to be doing mm-hmm. that. So while the avoidant one can look like they're doing fine, they're physiologically not doing so well. So anyway, the you know you were asking about the anxious, and they are the ones that are sort of more clingy, more insecure on the surface. Um, they are um, negativistic. So they are the complainers, like I said, the squeaky wheel. So you mm-hmm. never, you always, That they're the ones sort of naming all of the problems in the relationship, said by their insecurity that their relationship's falling apart, they're going to lose their partner. Um, Parting for an anxious um, person in in relation anxious type in relationship is very difficult. They get very stressed when they are separating from their partner for work, for a vacation, for a holiday, whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, and they need a lot of resistance in the relationship. And so that's what their needs look like. Um, and there are variations of these. These are you know, generalizations, um, but at the far end, those are some of what the, what the needs look like or how they act out their needs.
1: Well, that makes sense. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about how you and your partner formed attachments as children and how it's impacting your relationship today with relationship coach Carolyn Sharp. And if you worry about your partner's ability to love you, or you them, if you pull away from your partner to maintain your independence, you're not alone. You're more, like, you're more than likely to have less than ideal attachment styles. And this doesn't have to continue to cause challenges in your relationship. If you're ready to learn how to be more comfortable in your connection to your spouse, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me either by email or by phone to schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship call. And you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. Or you can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching. N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie. Com, and I want to get back to this um, conversation about attachment styles and and how it's impacting your current relationships. So Carolyn, you were talking as you were talking about the avoidance. You know, I you know my I, my my supervisor popped into my head and you know he was always talking about the balance of being you know alone you know you know individual versus together this 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 dance we do and it sounds like the people you know mm-hmm. and and I, I hear this all the time when you know, people are talking about, well, I don't want to give up my independence in a marriage. And it's like, well, first off, you don't have to. That's not required. It's not a, it's not a dependent versus independent. Like you've been talking about these, these styles aren't, you know, like isolated little boxes. There's, there's mm-hmm. overflow, if that's, I guess, if that's the right word. So, you know, and, and, you know and, and a lot of this stuff is you're talking pursuer, distancer, and all these things that we talk about in our field, um, you know, and, and even maybe just male-female differences. And you know, you're talking about the avoidance style, looking on the outside like it's, you know, people have it together and whatever. But I, my, my guess is avoidance have a really hard time asking for help. Yes. <laughs> yeah.. Whether it's from your partner yes. or anybody else, right? Because that's the, uh, yes. you know, you know and, 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 and the Western culture is like, well, you just, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, the, the famous British expression of, you know, keep calm and carry on, you know, stiff upper lip. We just don't right. want to, you know, so I'm like going, oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so how, do, how does, how, what's a better way to deal with
0: an avoidant style? For the person who is, I mean, in all of these cases, um, our our attachment style is pretty is pretty hardwired. Mm -hmm. So while the goal is, you know, we want to become as secure as possible, that is a relationship. Process so we're going to become more secure in our relationship, and the goal really is to create a secure functioning relationship. And so, whether you are the avoidant person, or you are married or partnered to the avoidant person, you're trying to create a balance of each other's needs and the relationship's needs. And so, in looking at and being partnered with an avoidant, you're trying to, or an anxious for that mm-hmm. matter, you're trying to accept the needs as something that we come by naturally this is how i was taught to be in relationship this is how i formed in relationship mm-hmm. i can't help that this is this is my natural tendency is to pull away to take space when i'm overwhelmed and mm-hmm. so the first step is in sort of you know the term is radically accepting which is to accept something that is difficult or unacceptable to sort of go, okay, this is these are your needs. This is how you function in relationship. I accept mm-hmm. you, and then we work together to figure out a better, healthier dance for our relationship of balancing each of each of our needs and the relationship's needs. So, if I'm partnered with uh, an avoidant-ish person, and I'm you know speaking of gender, I'm more on the avoidant. Um, sort of side of the spectrum than mm-hmm. the anxious side of the spectrum, so it's not just by by gender. But right. we're going to um, do the opposite that your mm-hmm. nervous system is telling you. So if I'm anxious and my partner's avoiding, my system is telling me go get them. Right. And I train couples in okay, breathe through that impulse and actually give them more space. And if you give them more space, they will naturally access their own capacity to come to you, mm-hmm. uh, which is the goal. You know, we don't want to force anybody to do something that they don't naturally want to do. We want them to to access their own interest and desire and, um, you know, connection impulses rather than chasing it out of them or... Um, Punishing it, them, punishing them into doing something. So you actually give them more space, and that allows the avoidant to breathe, mm-hmm. <laughs> reset, and come forward. Um, so, and you know, and the avoidant in being partnered, if they're partnered with an anxious person, is. Uh, to you know their their impulse is to pull away and to hide to run away and to go against that to breathe through that impulse and then lean forward um, right. because the, the avoidant person fears I'm going to be engulfed I'm going to be suffocated okay. I'm going to lose my identity or my independence and once we breathe through that fear whatever our attachment fear is we can then access our care for the relationship. Well, and that's, you know, that's so, so
1: interesting, because as, you, as you're going through that, you know, one of the things that I run across in couples all the time is that, you know, one person who wants to hash out something right now, because they're anxious mm-hmm. about it. And then the other person who's like, no, no, I need mm-hmm. time to think about it. And so there's this dance, you know, and it's like, okay, you can't mm-hmm. run away forever, but you got to let them go so that they can have that space. And it truly
0: is mm-hmm.
1: this. Learning how to make space for both people, regardless of what their attachment styles are, because I think what I understand is that's how the relationship
0: itself becomes more secure. Did I get that right? And you did get that right. Yes. Uh, You are trying to allow for each other's needs, accept it with love create space for those needs, and then once that you know, because none of us change at the, at, at, under threat or change. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, the couples that have been banging their heads against a wall because I'm trying to get you to change.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: question I ask simply is, how's that working for you? Is it, is it, <laughs> are you getting anywhere with that? No? Right. Okay. How about you try accepting them for who they are and see what happens then, love them, and mm-hmm. they are, love them for their fears, because all of those annoying, all of our annoying behaviors, whether they're attachment-driven or not, come from a need that we have. And if we stop focusing on the annoying behavior, the difficult behavior, and then focus instead on the need underneath for space, for autonomy, for connection, for love, for reassurance, if we focus on that, it becomes easier to provide it. Mm-hmm. So working to accept each other as we are, and then together in that place of acceptance, look at, all right, what, what's the right dance? How do I make sure I give you what you need? How do I make sure I get my own needs met? And it allows for a more natural rhythm to that dance. And we're not mm-hmm. trying to create codependence, another term that, right. is, you know, having a, having a <laughs> renaissance that is so miss um, mis- defined all over the place but we're not trying to create codependence we're trying to create interdependence where there is healthy um, reliance on each other and healthy connectedness where we both trust that we're going to get there's room for our needs that we're going to get our needs met um, because we do better health wise if our relationship needs are being met Um, so how do people Did that answer the question I feel like I ran a ramble no
1: it does and you know and, and so I'm you know channeling my listeners and you know so it's like how do i know how do i figure out what my needs are how how i need to you know um deal with my own fears you know because because of course i i can't ask my partner to do something that i'm that i don't have clarity about so i mean obviously the the first place i have to start is with me and so how what what what's the process for that?
0: Well, and I'm going to I'm going to blow your blow your listeners' minds because I actually believe in the reverse of that. Oh, um, interesting. That okay. The first place to start is actually taking better care of your partner because of that very thing that you're talking about. I often because the part of our brain that is running this show, that, that is driving the bus mm-hmm. you know, is the amygdala, is the part that is our emotion center and our even our, our brainstem is sort of driving the fight or flight response that we get into if our attachment wounds, our attachment needs get triggered. Mm-hmm. It is out of our verbal consciousness. We don't know that it's happening and it's much faster than our capacity to form words around it. Mm-hmm. So our partner is going to have greater capacity to notice that something's up with me than I am. And so learning to meet each other's needs, to have each other's owner man, owner's manual, to know, okay, those are your triggers. And, hey, mm-hmm. i I'm going to avoid stepping on them. But if I accidentally step on them, I know the antidote to that trigger. I know how to give you space if you need it. I know how to reassure you if you need it. I know how to give you a hug. Whatever it is, that's going to be faster at creating a what we call in the biz a corrective emotional experience where I learn that my needs matter, where I learn that it's okay to have needs, where I learn that I am safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be my partner that does that for me. I have lots of people who come in and say, all right, well, I've ended my relationship, and now I'm going to take some time on my own to learn how to be healthy in relationship. And you can't. Right. <laughs> we can't be single and learn how to be healthy in relationship. We have to do the work in our relationship. And I'm not saying that I'm not responsible for my own behaviors. I'm not right. involving any individual from taking responsibility. But I am saying that the fastest way to healing in relationship is through the relationship and is through learning my partner's Stuff and how I can take care of that for them and them doing the same thing for me. And so a mutual, reciprocal, fair, and just relationship is one where we're both taking care of each other's needs before we're taking care of our own needs. Um, right. And that may be, I'm giving you space by yourself. I'm giving mm-hmm. you space to go be with your friends. It's not, I take care of you to the exclusion of my own needs because in a fair and mutual system, you're making sure I have my needs met as well. Um, but that's the ideal scenario: is you actually take care of your partner, um, and I'm speaking to both people in the relationship right. as a way to learn healthier attachments. Um, so,
1: okay, and and, and as you're saying this, I'm I'm thinking of some couples that I've had where the the attachment wound of one partner triggers the attachment wound of the other. So we've got this yep dynamic, you know, this yep. mutual dynamic dynamic going on and you know one of the things I ran into is like well how how can I focus on my partner's needs when you know my my needle is like you know going crazy because right. you know and, right. and again I mean it could be something I mean you know I, I don't you know I tell the story about my husband once upon a time for a major birthday trying to throw me a surprise party which he will never do again. Because he was getting very secretive, and my husband—and um, bless his heart—my husband is a lousy liar, so I knew he was lying to me. And oh, you know, and boy. and that just went. That just sent me like. I mean, I just went yeah. <laughs> bonkers to yeah. the point where my two children yeah. both looked at him. It's like, "Is mom okay?" And he's like, "I have no idea." <laughs> you know, and right. you know, and right. luckily, I I knew enough that when I calmed down, it was like. Oh, that's what happened. You know, so my next major birthday he yep. said, You know, you're not getting a surprise I said, Yes, I know, I'm never going to get a surprise party ever again because you know, the poor man was just trying to do something nice for me, you know, and there there goes my attachment right, right. and stuff all you know, spread all over the living room. Um, you know, so how, how do people navigate that? I mean, you know, luckily yes. I was able to figure it out. He had no idea, you
0: know, but mm-hmm. you know, so so how do mm-hmm. we do this? Well, ideally, you know, this isn't to be found in a book uh, or even a podcast. Um, It is to be found looking at each other because Mm -hmm. words can lie, but bodies don't lie. Mm -hmm. So if we're paying attention to our partner's, body, their face, their, their, you know, how if there's a lot of color, if they're getting red in the face, if their muscles are starting constricting, if their movements are getting tighter, if their voice is, is elevating and getting higher, um, there are all kinds of indications. And if we're paying attention to that, those are the faster and more reliable indicators of what's actually happening. And so that's first. Learn your partner. Learn what their triggers are. Learn how quickly you know. Learn their escalation patterns because some mm-hmm. people are slow boilers. I'm a slow boiler. It takes me a long time to get really mad, but once that <laughs> <What> <laughs> once that, that blows, point? you want to be get a, get yeah get everyone to like clear the decks. You know, mom's mad, um, that kind of thing. Uh, learn their escalation pattern. Learn those antidotes. All that sort of stuff that you have that in your back pocket. And then learn the conversations that are risky for the two of you to have, the situations where you are prone to have problems. For a lot of couples, and I was just helping a couple with this this morning, Spent a wonderful, had a wonderful trip together, and then they're parting from vacation, and they had one of the biggest fights they've ever had. So Mm -hmm. transitions can be really hard for couples. The end of the day can be hard for couples. When we're in uh, public, we're really sensitive to relationship risks and and challenges. So know all of those things so that you can be forearmed um, and prepared for. All right, what do we need to preload? Um, We're going to a party. you don't, you don't do well in crowds, what mm-hmm. can I do for you to support you to sort yeah, of head those problems off with the past? And then, you know, the situation that you're talking about where we trigger each other is really common. I have a, a, a not um, safe for radio expression for that, but, a, you know, a <laughs> mess. Um, when we trigger trigger each other um, and you want to have some sort of signal, code for, mm-hmm. uh-oh, we're in this moment, because if our nervous systems, if if either of us are are tipped out of our window of tolerance, our nervous system, the bandwidth we have to be able to function with both our intellectual brain and our emotional brain, no good is going to come by continuing to have a conversation, let alone if both of you are there. (laughs) So I want to know what to do. If my partner's out of their window of tolerance, they want to know what to do for me, and then we want to be able to recognize, "Uh uh-oh, we're both gonzo. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's take five, let's take an hour, let's agree. We're not going to talk about this right now. Um, and some couples are just, you know, they, they're stubborn. They don't want to leave it until tomorrow, but you know, you, you do further, you inflict further harm. There's more right. damage done. And I say commonly, there are two ways to work on relationships. You can work on them in advance, preventing problems. Doing, yep. doing daily maintenance, doing things, acts of care and service and kindness for your partner, or you can do the work cleaning up the mess from not having done that daily maintenance. Um, right. And it's really, it's your choice. Uh, and couples are pretty stubborn. They're like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. And then they have a big fight and then they come in and they want to talk about this huge blowout. And I'm like, well, did you have agreements in place before you went to that party. Did you do active right. kindness? Had you put money in the bank? Right. Relationship bank. Mm-hmm. So that you felt pretty solid and secure in your relationship. No, no, no. All right. Well, yeah, no wonder you had a nasty fight. Um, right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I
0: used to have to no tell surprise. my clients.
1: I used to have to tell my clients. I, in fact, with one particular client, I made them bring separate cars to the session. <laughs> because they would go out in the parking lot. I said, no, no, you got, I, I, I you do not talk to each other about what went on in session for at least two hours afterwards. Yes. <laughs> it's like, take separate cards. like, yes. please don't do this because, yes. you know, all all the good work we would do in session would get blown up as soon as they start talking about it outside. It's like, no. Um, but yeah, it no. is It is this being proactive. And people think that they're, you know, that it's like, oh, I love this person, you know, it's like, and I get it. You love your partner. That doesn't mean that you know, you know, that you know exactly what they need even, you know, or that you, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. a big thing about, and, and I want to reiterate it, because you said this about learning to value what your partner needs, even if it's not something you need. Because, yes. Because we're different. You know? yes. like, we, don't want, yes. we don't want carbon copies of each other. So, Carolyn, this has been very helpful. Can you please share where, um, my listeners might be able to learn more about attachment, ways to be proactive, so that you know they, you know my my goal is to keep my couples out of the ditch, not
0: hire the tow truck to <laughs> once yes. they're there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, my favorite, my my teacher and mentor um, and my favorite person who talks about attachment and relationship is Dan Tatkin, Um, Mm -hmm. and he founded the PACT Institute, which stands for Psychobiological Approach to Couple Therapy. Um, And so the PACT Institute, if, if listeners Google the PACT Institute, they will find his blog, his website, um, all kinds of resources. He runs retreats and all that sort of stuff. So, he, and he's written three or four books and has a couple of audio programs. Um, so there's lots of resources through him. Um, he and a, a friend of mine, Cara Hoppy, wrote a book that's for young parents. Um, young meaning parents of young children, new parents, right. um, not young in terms of age. Um, and that's called Baby Bomb. Um, that's a great book specifically for um, sort of attachment, uh, your, your, your healthy relationship when you, when you introduce a baby into the mix. So cool. um, that's a recommendation. And then, you know, my blog talks about it as well, and I'm at secureconnectionsretreat.com. Um, so I talk about attachment and healthy relationship there.
1: Well, great. because. As we said, discovering your attachment style isn't about blame or shame. It provides information about how you function in relationships. And as far as I'm concerned, knowledge is power. Understanding why you do something is key to be able to do something else. And your marriage is giving you an opportunity to learn and grow, to really be connected to your partner. And who doesn't want that? So hopefully you've learned some valuable things today and hopefully you will continue to learn more valuable relationship things by listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving.